Do you ever think about the call takers and dispatchers at 911? They're the unsung heroes of our public safety system, the first among first responders. Their jobs are stressful and demanding, yet they keep us safe and calm in life or death situations every day. Let's join together and thank the professionals at 911 for being there when we need them most, for saving lives and protecting communities. Show your support for 911. Visit thankyou911.org. That's thankyou911.org. Welcome back to 10 Questions, my podcast, which I sometimes use as an opportunity to catch up with old friends. And I've known today's guest for more than 30 years. Her name is Michelle Laurie. But before we get to that interview, a quick reminder that you can order my book, 12 Summers, where I pour my heart onto the page about life, show business, and cricket at 12summers.org. That's 12summers.org. Back to Michelle. She was easily the funniest and most talented person in the first year of her acting course at the University of Southern Queensland in Toowoomba. I distinctly remember her doing a monologue for her end-of-year assessment and having the whole auditorium in hysterics. But for some reason, the lecturers didn't let her graduate into second-year acting. So she was shunted into the drama course where you learned to be a drama teacher, which was considered second prize. It was one of those early moments in my life where I realized that there's rarely such a thing as justice. From Toowoomba, Michelle moved to Melbourne and started doing stand-up comedy. Her one-woman show, The Hall Whisperer, which charted her time as a receptionist at a brothel, was a huge critical and commercial success, playing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, the Adelaide Fringe, and the Sydney Opera House. From there, she started doing radio on Triple R, and then on Nova and Kiss. TV stints included This Week Live and The Project, as well as a stand-up piece on ABC's The Smallest Room in the House, where she talked about her time at university. Now she hosts the hugely popular Australian True Crime podcast, which is an international hit with more than 1 million downloads per month. I feel like this episode is sometimes less of a podcast and more just two old friends catching up, but as usual, I started off by asking Michelle when she was most happy. I'm happy all the time. Uh, like, not, not constantly, obviously. But um, <laughs> that'd be weird. That'd be a mental Ill- illness, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm happy on and off all the time because I, I just, I realise that happiness is just a, actually a really simple thing, isn't it? It just, I, happiness is a simple thing that happens to all of us all the time. But we just don't notice it, I think, as we get older. I think when you're a child, you notice it all the time. And it's a simple thing like when you see a butterfly or whatever. And then, but as we get older, I think we get conditioned to think that happiness has to be these huge things, these huge achievements or things that you have to earn or make happen. Um, And so we spend most of our time chasing happiness or trying to create happiness and then we stop noticing the butterflies, those moments. Mm. And so, yeah, I've sort of retrained myself, although I'm still trying to, to, to notice those mm. things because a lot of the, the big things that you try and make happen just don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, or you get, you, you get there and you realise, oh, not as good. Mm. <laughs> that's right you can uh, you know I, I remember listening to a podcast with rob Lowe and he said oh, just so you know riches and fame 
the, the day after you become rich and famous, does you're not any happier. You're not. Nah. Changes, you know. Or they have other things that come with them that you go, mm. oh, well, no one told me about that. <laughs> Uh, that's taken a lot of the sheen off it, the shine off it. Um, and, in fact, it's a sheen. It's not even a shine. I didn't know it was going to be a sheen. <laughs> it was a shine. So, yeah, I didn't know that was going to be part of it. I didn't know there was going to be social media when I got there. Oh, well, oh that's Jesus. right. Jesus. I do. So, yeah. I do recall, I, like, though, the, the change in you from, like, because when I was in Toowoomba, I had no idea about stand-up comedy. I know, never knew it was an actual thing, really. I, I mean, obviously I did, you know, I knew in America and Eddie Murphy and blah, yeah. blah, blah, but not in Toowoomba. There, there were no stand-ups in Toowoomba. And yeah. I remember you and I had a very similar, similar in kind of uh, just a general shitness of that drama course that we went to. Yep. And um, when people say to me, oh, Adam Zwar, or do, do you know, or, or even just mention your name, I always feel this great feeling like we are, kin yeah you know i feel like you and i have this shared experience that makes us like you are not just a friend or like Mm. we we have this shared experience (laughs) that kind of forged us we have shared it's like our bullets that come out of the same gun have this like the same grooves in them i feel like you and i have that yeah because i remember seeing the smallest room in the house and just going like you're just captivated by it because thank God you're actually saying the truth of what happened there. Um, Kids who go through acting school, it's like a thing. Oh yeah. And you know, I remember the the injustice of what happened to you because you, you know, they didn't accept you into what it was second year acting or whatever. And yeah, you were forced to do the drama course and you're not being happy about that. And, and, you know, I got kicked out. Um, and uh, then you came to Melbourne and you, you're a stand-up. And I remember just thinking, good on you. you. You've done it. This is amazing, you know. And uh, I do recall you being uh, just on the outside a, a little happier. Definitely. just and, and the same with you, watching you create a career. It's, it's exciting to go through that process when you're so young. And I remember being in an audition process for another uni in Queensland and I uh, I'll never forget this lady, this old, uh, late, you know, actress who was uh, one of the tutors for the course, and she's speaking to all of us. We're all 17 and 18, you know, auditioning, bright-eyed. And she says, now, for you young women, uh, girls, look, I'll tell you, the best thing you can do is marry rich. Oh, my God. And- oh, my God. <laughs> this is the advice she's giving us. Because, you know, and treat it as a hobby. <laughs> and 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 that if you can stick at it that way, and then perhaps as you get older, uh, then you might be able to make something of a career out of it. Oh. That's the best advice I give to you. Marry well, and you know, wow. I mean, it's heartbreaking because it's a dagger in your heart <laughs> as a young woman to think that's the advice this this older woman who you're looking to as, as a mentor can give to you. And this is early and 90s. It wasn't like the dark yeah. ages. No, this is this is would be 1990. And so then, you know, five or so years later, or however many years later, to for you and I to be making careers after we've been through the shredder and been kicked out, you and I both, yeah. for us to be the ones who are actually forging <laughs> careers in the entertainment industry, it was like, fuck yeah, man. Oh, a party. 
That was Matthew Hardy ringing Michelle. Matthew Hardy is an Australian comedian, promoter, and author of one of the funniest Australian memoirs ever, Saturday Afternoon Fever. He's going to be mentioned a lot on this podcast. He's to kill the theme song. <laughs> That's my business partner. And another, you know, just, just hustlers, man. you got to be hustlers. And I like to yeah. continue to work with hustlers. you got to be hustlers. And I love that. I love being a hustler. And uh, it's I did another podcast recently with Dr. Susan Carland. Oh yes, person, yeah. And she, um, she, the her whole podcast was about being a hustler somehow. I love that about her. She's so, so dignified. But her, she's like, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, talk to me about being a hustler. Wow. And I said, I, I love being a hustler because you know it's exciting. It's exciting. I much rather this lifestyle actually than than having a big media job where you paid a lot of money to show up and do the same thing every day. I found that very tedious. I love this lifestyle, the the circus performer kind of lifestyle about doing something different all the time. The hustle, the hustle excites me. There are up days, there are down days, but it's never the same day. And that brings me happiness too. The happiness of having something work is very addictive to me. And you only get that happiness when you when you have the days where things don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done it yourself I, too. That, that's oh what, my God. you know, as opposed to just walking into Osteria or whatever else, you, <sighs> you, you've actually created something yourself. And you know what else, Worry? It's that thing where I know it's, it's just me. Mm. No one else can, when we have a, a happy day no one else can go oh well you know it's because of the music no, <laughs> no it's not no it's, it's not because of the billboards it's not because of the music it's not because of that guy over there who talks about sport no <laughs> no 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 it's because of me that's great it's my hustling that makes me happy um question two who would you like to apologize to and why oh my children <laughs> <laughs> always and I do apologize to them but yeah I'll probably always apologize to my children because this you know this is not uh this is not how I meant it to be this is not how I thought it would be I thought there'd be more horse riding Mm. (laughs) more more dental visits probably (laughs) more 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 books Mm. Um, more book reading, not book writing. I thought there'd be more, more book reading. I thought there'd be more, um, just more. I just thought it'd be different. I thought, I thought there'd be less yelling. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just often think back to how I thought it would be. I thought there'd be two parents. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not how I thought it would be. Is parenting how you thought it would be? I'm not a parent. I've got, I thought you were. No, no. At the moment, we've got two cats. But I. Um, not, can I can I suggest you keep it that way? Yeah. Like, not not just you personally, but just in general, just people in general. Um, how old are yours? They're they're twins. They're nearly twelve. Oh wow. Okay. And but do do you think they're they're okay with whatever? whatever the setup is at the moment, even though it's not what, what you were hoping for? Oh, look, they don't know any different probably, but mm. they are, they're really good about it. They say they're okay about it. Look, they're really good people somehow. I don't know how. They, um, uh, 
they're really they're very well behaved and they're really good people. And um, they always say to me, "No, nah, it's fine, Mum. That's fine." Oh. Um, yeah, they're really great about it. I go, "God, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry. That's dinner." <laughs> and they go, that's ah, fine. Uh, I'm really sorry I forgot to put you to bed. Oh, it's 11 o'clock. I'm so sorry about that. It's daylight saving. And they go, that's ah, fine. Oh. Uh, yeah, they're really good. I'm sorry I forgot to say baths again. Baths. I'm so sorry. That's fine. <laughs> so they're really good about it. Uh, we've got a great nanny. Um, slash housekeeper slash nana called we call her Noji because she's Hungarian and that's oh, Hungarian yeah. for nana. Yep. Oh my god, she's she's the best and she takes care of me as much as anybody. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's unbelievable. So that we're all happy about that. So yeah, they they say it's fine, and also they say to me, look, we know we can talk to you about anything. That's a, that's a good thing, and they know that um, you know I'll never be angry. Uh, oh, look, I get angry about certain things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what do I get angry about? Oh, shoes being left out in the lounge room. Um, but, you know, I'm never going to be, like, they can always talk to me about sex or um, drugs or, you know, like the biggies. I think they're the biggies. Uh, they know that, like, we've already discussed if you're at a party, someone gets too drunk and they're vomiting, you can ring me. Like, don't ever not ring an adult about stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, That's great. We probably, yeah, we probably talk about things that are a bit beyond them sometimes. I remember when I told them about how babies were made, Louis dry, dry reached. Um, um, He was, they were seven. So I don't know if that was too much, but it just felt right at the time. So I think that stuff's okay. That was going to be my next question. My next question was, like, when did you set up the fact that you were the honest mum, that you were not going to be like a a person who who, who was into fairy tales and fibs? I think it was, you might want to edit this out, depending on your audience. I think it was when I forgot to tell them about Santa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They came home from um, kinder when they were three. They went to three-year-old kinder. And they were like, "What, what about Santa? It was like the end of the year. And, went, and I went, oh, yeah. oh, what about Santa? Like, are we getting presents from Santa at Christmas? And I said, oh, yeah, if you want. Do you want presents from Santa? And they said, well, like, it, who is he? The other kids are getting <laughs> the other kids are getting presents from Santa. And I'd just completely forgotten to tell them the whole thing about Santa. And, and they said to me, is he real? And I went, well, in a way, like you know how you know how Dora the Explorer is real. Um, well, he's real like that. He's a real character. Gotcha. And so, uh, you know, we sort of took it from there. But I said, don't. I wouldn't. Don't explain it to the other kids like that. In fact, don't even get drawn into a conversation about Santa <sighs> if you can help it. Just let them go. And just agree. That, that's really good. So you set up this kind of situation where your kids are are kind of in the know. They're almost you're treating them like adults. And yes, and I, I, I yeah. Again, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't say right when I have children, I'm going to speak to them like adults. I just forgot not to. And they're in on something. That means you know, and also they're probably mindful to protect the other kids. They probably didn't tell them about that Santa wasn't real. 
Yes, we're the same way with Jesus and and those sorts yeah. of characters. <laughs> not not I didn't mean to. It's just sort of the way it's panned out. They have a mate who's very Christianful. Oh yes, and he's um and I was raised Catholic, so I get it. Yep. But he likes to seek me out when he has a sleepover and just really test me. Oh. Um. So Michelle, I'll just feel him just sort of sitting next to me <laughs> of a night time. So, um, and he'll he'll hit me up about Jesus, and I'll be like, For fuck's sake. <laughs> we've discussed this i'm a jesus fan you know i'm fine with it it's fine yes heaven great because yeah, yeah. i'm buddhist and we have room for heaven in in buddhism yeah um and i don't want to trip liam out and i don't want to challenge liam on the heaven uh you know so but at the same time i don't, I don't want to send him home concerned about it and i like his mum a lot but as far as louis and dahlia are concerned you know i just feel like Make up your own minds when you're ready. Mm. It's all good. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to send them out into the world with a big void, you know? Like, it's it's hard, man. It's like when we, um, my mum said to them once when they were real little, about the same three or four, oh, I heard one of your chooks is in heaven. And Dali said, no, she's in the wheelie bin. <laughs> so, you know, as long as they're cool with it. But then a year later, then their minds start to expand, you know, and then the Shih Tzu died. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, where's Brittany? Yeah, but where is she? I'm like, you know where she is. She's at the vet. We had to leave her there, you know. No, but where is she? But I know, but but where is she? What are the Buddhists? What are the Buddhists? What's the Buddhist afterlife? Is there an afterlife? Oh, it's a, a cyclical existence. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's reincarnation. So, so like then Hindu. I'm having this. Yeah. Yeah, then I have to have this conversation with them about cyclic existence and karma and mm. and Britney's Britney's karma, you know, and that's hectic when you're four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you it's know? a real tightrope. It's a real, yeah, it's a really interesting kind of. And then I'm thinking, fuck, do you say fuck on your? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, so I'm thinking, fuck this. Mum had heaven. Oh, don't worry. Britney's in heaven and we'll all get to see Britney again. She's with Nan and Pop. And I know I don't have that, you know. I'm like, oh well, you know, Brittany was kind of a mean dog, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's like the Herald Sun versus the Age or something. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, I was the Guardian. Yeah, it's like, you that, know? It's like heaven, uh, easy, easy one. Ah, oh, I'm going to tell you, cyclical existence. Okay, but I can't lie to you. No. She's not with Santa. Okay, <laughs> she ain't with Santa. She's not with Dora the Explorer, girl. No. Question mm. three is: What is your greatest regret? Well, uh, I'm not really, I'm not a very regretful person. I, I really am, uh, I'm the goldfish, as uh, as you would say. So you forget, say. you forget things pretty quickly? Yeah, definitely. And I think I always have been like that, even before Buddhism. I'm very, uh, I'm very in the moment. My greatest regret, regret would normally be something from very recently. Um you know, forgetting to open the back door and having the dog wee on the floor. Um, <laughs> didn't even do that last night, so I don't even have that. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I, I, I don't have, I can't even think of one, mate. I forget things so quickly too. It's like I forget mm. that I'm meant to be angry with people. All the time. All the time forget that, which is great. I'm very, I'm resilient to the point of it being a problem in relationships. Uh. Um you know, yeah. You'll, you'll I, stick in longer. Oh, absolutely. And mm. also, I didn't even think of that, Adam. Good point. Yeah, I have stuck in relationships very 
much too long. But also I was going to say that it's that, that I tend to be like, oh, God, are you still upset about that? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I find people are like, like I'm just firing off a text to someone that I've had a blue with and they're like, are you serious? <laughs> like, oh, sorry, yeah. I thought sorry. we litigated it. I thought it was yeah. over. And also, I could be like, oh, God, come on. That was like hours ago. <laughs> and, you know, so I, it can be my resilience can be a real um, a real issue. You're tough. You're Toowoomba tough. Yeah, yeah totally. I say that to the kids all the time. Toowoomba tough or Queensland tough. Mm. I'm Queenslander. Sorry, guys. I'm just, you know, we get on with it. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I can walk on hot sand and I get over stuff really quickly. I went to drama school. Um, <laughs> I went to drama school, guys. Like <laughs> nothing troubles me for very long. Yeah. Question four, what would you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? And again, uh, I feel like I have lived a satisfactory life. But I think honestly part of that does come from having achieved things that I set out to do. And so I'm lucky in that. I don't have any big holes in my soul that feel unfilled. And um, a good, the good thing about that, I think, is that I don't feel like there is any great white whale that I need to kill that will bring me happiness. Mm. So that's that's good. I don't have anything that I think. Oh, if if only I could just. I don't think I could. I would die tomorrow thinking. Oh. I didn't achieve that thing. And so I'm unfulfilled. Mm. Uh, there are things that I, I like to just keep doing more of. I'd like to get back to, I, I, I spent a year working, a year and a bit working for Save the Children, which was just a brilliant experience. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was maybe my favourite thing in retrospect. And and I, I left there to go and do, to study at RMIT to improve my skills, technical skills, in terms of like editing and my media skills, because my technical skills were lacking. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get back into more media with a humanitarian organisation, ideally Save the Children, because I love them so much and their work is unreal. Uh, and then 2020 happened. So no one was travelling anyway in that sector. Um, yeah, so maybe I'd like to get back into that, back into the field. Travelling to the Syrian border, to Jordan and Lebanon was amazing. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to do more of that. So so um, just getting the, the timeline, so it was like you went to acting school, you then moved to Melbourne and you were you were receptionist in a brothel and you were doing stand-up and then you moved into radio. And what, what stage did... What stage did you decide that radio wasn't enough? It wasn't kind of fulfilling you enough, and you wanted to do something bigger. It, it was more. It was more the just the challenges on my time. It was more that I got to this point in um, I don't know when. Must have been about the kids were about were three. I remember three was hell. Uh, so they were born in two thousand nine. So about 2012, 2013. That was when I had every job, and uh, I was a single mum three-year-old twins and at three apparently it's quite common that kids can get a lot of ear infections I remember that was happening as well Louis had ear infections constantly and I had 
right i had breakfast radio melbourne breakfast radio and i had two i think two tv jobs so for me that was like the pinnacle of everything i ever wanted mm-hmm. and i had and i was writing a book that's right yep <laughs> yep at the same time and and i had these twins and which was also something i'd always wanted and not twins necessarily but i i was a mother <laughs> and uh, and uh and but i was a single mother which i had not wanted but Work-wise, that was everything and was making a lot of money. And, but it was just, that's the other thing you don't realize, I think, is just the time suddenly realizing, oh, there are only 24 hours in a day. And Mm. I've said many times that the men in my industry have wives Mm. and that, that is a real thing. Again, for women, it is hard to find a man who is interested in, really in that lifestyle in being that supportive person you need a supportive partner you need a partner who is prepared to to be really that your partner in work as well Mm. and generally and most of the men most of my colleagues will absolutely acknowledge that they couldn't do it without their wives their wives Mm. are literally their work partners they are literally packing their suitcases literally running their schedules literally you know not only making their kids dentist appointments but their dentist appointments as well you know literally helping them every day every hour to get all of that work done and when you don't have that it's I can't tell you it's depressing actually it's really hard on your mental health as well so I had to I just had to accept that it was it was impossible and also then my parents arrived and my father was was uh terminally ill and they had no one so I had to give up work really to be that person for them so yeah 2013 was it yeah so my parents moved in with me and yeah my father died in 2019 so for those years we we uh took care of him my mum and I and gradually my I I had to cut back cut back cut back on work so, yeah. yeah yeah and then you moved um and when did you become a when did um you get into Buddhism when did you become a Buddhist oh that was a long time ago that was when I was in my late 20s okay so yeah so you already you had that as a kind of uh uh yeah something to fall back on almost um, yeah yeah that was awesome and i worked with his holiness a couple of times when he came to australia the oh, Dalai wow. Lama. yeah that was unreal and so um, yeah i worked uh, cut back on work cut back on work cut back on work and then eventually in, in late 2018 i uh went to work sort of basically gave up all my media stuff but I, I was having quite a breakdown by that stage and that was that was around the time i was going nuts on social media and all those things as well that was just that was your dad was dying yeah, yeah, that was part of it, wasn't it? Yeah, and I was having to give up all my work and that was just a very, you know, obviously emotionally difficult thing to do and mm-hmm. all of that was incredibly difficult. And, uh, but anyway, when, when I went to Save the Children, they were just the most beautiful people to me as well because every time I cocked up on social media, they just were so forgiving. They should have sacked me every time and they never did. They just, again, were so beautiful to me. And it was, uh, yeah, it was actually a good, a good. How did that relationship start with them? I applied for a job, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. As, as 
what, what was the title, the job? I can't title? even remember the job I applied for because I was completely unsuited for it. And in the interview, we ended up laughing so much about how <laughs> unsuited I was for the job. This is how beautiful they are. And um, yeah, I didn't get that job because it was ridiculous that I would apply for it. But a couple of weeks later, they phoned me and said, there's another job. Do you oh, want to wow. come and apply for that? Yeah, they're just the most beautiful, beautiful people. And what was that job? It was some uh, some kind of, it was in communications or, yeah, I can't remember the title now, but um, but in the end I was, was working in communications and helping them put on events and working some social media, but it was very low key. It was like didn't have my name attached to it, and that's what I wanted. Mm. I wanted a job that wasn't about me being any kind of ambassadorial role, but I ended up like writing writing some social media posts, again, not as myself, um, but even writing some things for for DFAT for for um just very uh I ended up like I'd be on the phone to heads of programs in around the world in Jordan or whatever and just writing updates for the programs. Um, how's the hand washing program going? What's the latest figures yeah, for wow. it was brilliant. It was really uh just felt useful. I needed to feel useful, not just like, oh, Michelle Laurie's visiting this thing. And because my reputation was a bit shit at the time too. So it was really good to just feel just like a person doing something helpful for a really great organisation. I just feel like a tiny cog in in of that, course. just doing admin really. Because I, when you said it, I'm so glad I, I asked because when you said it originally, I thought it might have been, you know, some sort of, celebrity thing that you were doing you know so yeah, the no, idea that yeah the idea that it was you just kind of going back to work in a way you know it was and the trips that I did weren't weren't ambassadorial at all they were very much like support it was a supporting role uh they took business people essentially it was uh the Gates Foundation um funded trips to take like board these really important people from the boards of like um, Australia Post and banks and things from Australia to take them to um, refugee camps in the Middle East to see how different other countries' responses um, were different, how they affected the economies in mm. different countries. And I was just there and very much in a supporting role to take photos, film videos. So it was interesting. I, instead of me being in the videos, I was filming the videos and the superstar of the trip was Paul Ronalds, who's the CEO of Save the Children. So I was filming Paul and um, then I would be like doing quick edits of the videos and I'd be writing up the social media posts about Paul. And um, it was great. I, I loved not being the subject of anything. That's and great. It was awesome. And then, yeah, when we got home, I was writing the posts and sending the reports to DFAT and um, and things like that. It was unreal. And and so when did the um, when did you really kick in with the podcast? I, I know you know Australian True Crime is huge, uh, but you did one before that, right? Yeah, the Nitty Gritty Committee. I mean, that started a long time ago, probably thirteen years ago or something. Wow. Yeah, that was just because podcasting was new, and I wanted to experiment with longer form interviews than you could do on radio. And um, and then I did one with Emily Webb because mm -hmm. I, I've always been interested in true crime. 
she was a true crime author and by the end of the hour I said hey would you be interested in doing a podcast together she wow. said yeah so that was 2017 we started doing that and then through that we've you know you develop a kind of a, um a th- themes you develop themes you develop through lines and and so we have done that and that's been a really gratifying process to start to look at systems and to start to I've become very passionate about the idea of things like seeing how funding governmental funding plays out at grassroots levels mm. see how you know issues like mental health funding plays out in society in our culture to see how mental health um how those impacts play out and, and so it's very clear yeah right and just with the podcast when did you realize that you had now created your own thing it was only a couple of years ago really where i suddenly thought i'm not really respecting this show like i'm not i'm not respecting yeah there's a lot of people listen to this show and i'm not i'm not taking it seriously yeah it was maybe only two years ago uh where i realized we never tracked the numbers we never paid attention to how many people listening and suddenly I didn't even know how to and then I went to ACAST and went how do you get on that website and we went and had a look and went wow that's a lot of people yeah it's over a million people over a million downloads a month oh my god yeah so I thought I should take that more seriously yeah yeah I think there's a lot of money to be made there that's yeah right. it's just like just sitting there just and then Matthew Hardy great hustler said to oh. me you should be doing live shows Michelle you should be like doing stuff with this mm. audience. And so, yes, we started doing that and we started doing lots of other things and we started allowing ads into the podcast, just basic stuff like that. And then I started making an income out of it. And now it's it's my main source of income. And, of course, then that a lot of freedom came with that. Congratulations! I think that's post post mental breakdown. Adam would be the would be the <laughs> would be the answer to that. But around the time my father died, I sort of allowed myself to have a breakdown. I thought, just go for it, girl. <laughs> Good just idea. Have yeah, it. Yeah. You've been holding it off for so long. Just have it. So I had that, and then I went, all right. Now pull yourself together and see what's what. So, what yeah. what's it, what? How does a breakdown manifest? Is it is it something? Uh, it's very liberating. It's just mm. about sort of going just just um you know what it's about just enjoying the butterflies Mm -hmm. and I was very lucky I had savings you know and uh I just allowed myself to enjoy the butterflies and got off social media and gave zero fucks about anything and wandered around being a dandy yeah yeah you mentioned social media stuff and I have no idea what went down so and you know it's it's such a huge kind of turmoil in one's life, but in everyone else's life, it's literally a skirmish. And then they go, what, what's for lunch? That's what I realized. That's what I realized at the time. And, and what I, the other thing, the, the problem with me was that the mainstream media picked it up. And, but again, it's nothing, it's just a skirmish. But, but what I realized, and this unfortunately was picked up and skewed, but what I realized was that when you have real turmoil in your real life, social media stuff can seem huge mm. and uh what i said in another another podcast was that it made me think about charlotte dawson charlotte dawson was a new zealand born model and tv host who took her own life in 2014 i was one of those people who used to say to charlotte 
oh, who gives a fuck? Who cares? They're nobodies. Who cares? Just turn it off. Like, you know, people on social media, they are no one Charlotte. And mm. just don't, don't worry about them. But when you have real turmoil in your life that it seems like it's real. Yeah. And then when I said that in a podcast um, and, and then the point I was making was that um, uh, who's that beautiful woman who was taking a lot of shit on the Today Show at the time. She was working with Carlos. The Georgie that Michelle's referring to is the journalist and TV host, Georgie Gardner. And Georgie, who I don't know personally, but uh, when I was taking a lot of heat on social media, she sent me a, um, a, a message, a private message, just uh, just a nice message. And I said, and it was just so kind. I thought, what a kind, lovely lady when she's taking a lot of heat herself, just a lovely thing to do. Anyway, then the Daily Mail picked it up and said, she saved me from suicide. And I said, oh, fuck, that's not. You know, and then it just adds to the ah the pressure because that's what they do, right? And so anyway, that was awful. And then this is all happening years ago. But the problem, again, that compounds compounds is my daughter just only six months ago or something said to me, um, oh, I was Googling us and I read that you wanted to kill yourself one time. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, you know. The effect of all of that, unfortunately, is that it, it has given me a bit of a phobia about, like, I, it, it did silence me and I've spoken, there's a, there is a sort of a, a conversation around it. Um, Ginger Gorman, who's a great journalist, she does mm-hmm. a lot of writing about the silencing of women on social media. Um, and mm-hmm. a, a number of ABC journalists recently have, have shut down their social media. And I think that is a conversation to be had because prior to that I was trying to use my social media for good um certainly around the South Sudanese community in Melbourne I was trying to be as supportive as possible about them having traveled to South Sudan myself and Mm. and so I do feel silenced and I am phobic about social media even the Daily Mail ran a few stories about me looking great and I just about I had a nervous breakdown about that because mm. I'm just like, whenever I see myself now in media, I, I do get triggered. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, so I think that is a conversation. But I totally understand it. Yeah. So, and, and when my daughter said that, I, you know, I thought that's, that's really shit because I did never say that. Oh. It never happened. Well, you know, lucky you've got, you, you've established this kind of adult relationship with your, yeah, you're right. Kids, you know, yeah. if they'd been in, if they'd been kind of in cotton wool, uh, that would have been harder. Yeah, you're right. I guess it was a pretty quick conversation to be able to dispel all of that and to, and mm. also they're so funny. They're such TikTok sort of um, people now that it was pretty quick to be able to talk to them about how, you know, the Daily Mail is a certain kind of publication. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, get, we understand what you're talking about. And, that's yeah, great. they're very media savvy. That's great. Um, question five is who is the person who most influenced you and how? I mean, I think growing up in the 80s was a great time to grow up for a young girl. Girls were so, young women were so bolshy. So, mm. you know, even from Madonna and uh, and. Cindy Lauper, even Boy George. I mean, things were yeah. so outrageous and so media was so just mainstream media at that time was so exciting. Mm. I mean, 
I find it quite conservative. I find my kids really conservative now. Um, it's hilarious. I mean, the way my daughter, both of them talk about the fact that their father smokes cigarettes is like he smokes crack, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck, are you right? Like, it's not that bad. And politically, you know, we grew up watching a lot of revolution. I mean, I was mm. a very political child, even though my parents were not. And uh, my, I had a lot of, uh, where I grew up in Toowoomba was, we had a lot of Aboriginal people in town. And so being in Melbourne and having friends my age who will say they never met an Aboriginal pe- person is really bizarre mm. to me. Mm. That was a big part of my, uh, that was very influential on me. My best friend in primary school was an Aboriginal girl called Sonia. And so I grew up with her and her brothers and where uh, some of their language was part of our language. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, they used to call, we used to call each other Budang, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think, I think it means brother, a hey, Budang. Um, you know, and these sorts of things, um, Yandi for marijuana. What primary school is that? Harristown State Primary. Oh, Harristown. And, and, yeah, it's great. And where kids would, would routinely come with no shoes, um, because they didn't have any. And, and so these conversations I have with my kids are just hilarious. They just so shocked when they go to primary school. Now, if they've forgotten their lunch, uh, that's another thing I have to apologize for. Occasionally it happens. And, um, but, but <laughs> they, yeah, but even then if I've forgotten tuck shop, it happens. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, but I, you know, I get, it'll be left on the bench because these knuckleheads have forgotten to put it in their bag. And, um, but the teachers take them into the staff room and give them toast and, in fact, one of their friends, my, my mate Mel, her son got busted pretending to have forgotten his lunch because he so enjoyed having toast with his teacher in the, uh, in the staff room. It's so adorable. Beautiful. They're so mollycoddled, right? And I say to them, mate, if we forgot our lunch, the teacher would have no idea, wouldn't know. How would they know? When the bell went, they were out of there. Yeah. We didn't know where the staff room was. They yeah. didn't want us knowing where they were at lunchtime. They were gone. And yeah, kids walk to school for an hour with no shoes on because they didn't have shoes. Yeah. Routinely. And it was hot, you know. It was yeah, it was hot and it was bloody cold. In yeah, and then it got cold. And my grade four classroom was a veranda. It didn't have it didn't have windows. It had louvers, like timber louvers, but it didn't have glass in there. You know, that's what like to warm a tough, mate. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And bullying. They didn't give a fuck. They didn't even know if someone was being bullied. No, they didn't, they know. didn't care. They didn't care. Oh, no. I remember. And did you, when did you go to high school? I went to, mum sent me to the Catholic school that she went to. It was her dream always when we were kids. You've got to go to St. Saviour's. Oh, Why, yeah. mum? All you ever talk about is how you were beaten black and blue by the nuns. Why do you want to send us to that school and I'll never forget the first day I got there these girls I was sitting on the hill and all they talked about was sex I'm like oh, what are you talking about at Harristown at lunchtime we did break dancing on yeah. cardboard with the boys and I come here and these girls are talking about 69ers I've never heard of that <laughs> they're talking about numbers what I don't even know what you are talking about it was outrageous and they're all pretending they've done these things over the school holidays oh, <laughs> ah next level mum where have you sent me 
Toowoomba Catholic schools. That's that's the uh, oh that is the ultimate. God, it's really and you know I also the um I mean I wasn't a, I never went to a Catholic school but I knew Catholic students and they would look upon non-Catholic students with great suspicion. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the kids from the state schools, mm. like they're rough, you know. Mm. But these chicks, oh my Christ. And the boys, oh, the Catholic boys, you know, they all play rugby league and they punch on every Friday night in the pub. And yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when was the last time you cried and why? I cried yesterday, yesterday afternoon, because I uh, was reconnecting with somebody who, because, you know, lockdown's been hard. <laughs> this year's been so hard. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I was reconnecting with somebody who, I hadn't spoken to in a couple of months because it turns out it was it was a bit of a miscommunication, and it, it turned out it was that that they had had it's me and my resilience again maybe but they had had a bit of a mental health crisis, and I had probably been a bit hasty in sort of cutting off uh, comms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just a bit of an emotional kind of re uh, reconnection. But but also I, I do cry feel, very easily. Do you feel yeah, better? Yeah, yeah, it was good crying, good crying. I, I I cry easily. I'm I'm an emotional person. Uh, I'm a real lover. Mm. I I love very easily, and uh, and you know men men are weird. Yeah, men are weird, Adam. Oh, men are weird. Don't worry about that. But, but why do you all keep telling me that? Why, why can't you just stop being weird? This is what I don't get. It's like, oh, you're all like, oh, yeah, Michelle, we're weird. Well, fucking stop it. Yeah, look, I, I really struggle with my male friendships. So, and I, and I don't have an answer for you. Um, it's uh, all I can say is that we're equal opportunity weirdos. Um, whereas weird to each other, we are to women. Because you can, you, you can think you're having the best friendship in the world and then. It, it dissipates within a day or two. So, you know. Do you, do you ghost each other? Yeah, totally. People ghost you. You just got to kind of, with men, you got to read the signs very clearly whether they, you know, where the boundaries are in a friendship. God. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Why? Who who broke you? Why did, why? Uh, yeah, I think it's, well, look, I, I, I would argue that, you know, if you're 35 and under, you're probably in much better shape. Yes. A better emotional shape. No, no, it's just what broke us is because if you're talking to a man over 45 or over 40, they're really the last generation that saw what it was to be totally emotionally challenged. Um, I've given up on you. I've given up on, on men anywhere near my own age, believe me. Yeah. They're just, it's just, like you're out. And by the way, where does that interim period? Because, you know, we're a little bit like the lost children because we're not those people. We're not the boomers who, who are just totally emotionally devoid, but we're not, we're not able to be totally open either. I feel sorry for you guys the most actually. And yeah, I don't, um, I don't, I don't mess with you people, but, but I feel, so, I mean, in mm. friendships I do. Absolutely. Mm. But I feel like you can see it from where you are. Mm. You can see you know, yeah, you can see liberation from where you are, but you can't touch it. No, no, it's just too, we're too, we're, it would take a lot of meditation and unwinding to actually just be uh, uh, 
just to open our hearts, I think. Oh. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean to be too doubt. And a lot of guys will probably just listen to this and go, what's why talking about? But um, I, I think, no, you know, know, yeah, I think we're a little bit kind of stilted. Um, so, yeah, I go younger. I skew younger. Mm-hmm. And um, but even then you can get a little bit. But then if you skew too young, there's a whole there can be a language barrier and there can be a mm. then there can be a there can be barriers too. There's experience barriers. There's a whole world of ooh, yikes. What wow. Because you're only gonna go through you, you some some emotional problems only come with age, you know. Emotional problems and solutions only come with being older. And frame of reference. I know. The, 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 but you know sorry, go on. No, you know, you go, you go. Oh, I just think that, you know, the, the, the guys, uh, just back to men, it's um, a lot of them are just shouting at the moon because things are just changing too quickly for their emotional yes. points of view. Um, and-, and also we've, we've asked men to do that, haven't we? We've asked men to, to be completely different to our fathers, people our age. We've said, no, God, no, no more of that in one generation. Mm. but we haven't really replaced it with anything. We haven't told you what we want you to be necessarily, I don't think, but we said, no, not that. But then we haven't really given you a very clear outline, I don't think, of what we want you to be because we don't really know. Because it's it's because men are a lot simpler than what you think they are. And, I know. And I'm, yes. if feminism was just one thing yes. instead of, instead of ha- ha- factions, mm. um then we'd be really clear. We go, yep, yeah, okay, no worries, we can do that. We're kind of trainable. Yes. Um, the thing about men being simple, I always think about, um, I remember when I was with my husband very, very, very early on, very early on, like days, weeks into our relationship and I'm like in my early 20s and I said to him one time, what are you thinking about? And he said, smiles. And I thought, oh, my God, you are the most beautiful because he, he's an artist, he's a painter, That's and lovely. I just thought, I isn't it the most incredible thing you've ever heard in your life? Yeah. What are you thinking about smiles? And it wasn't until literally years later he confessed to me that smiles was the name of the souvlaki shop <laughs> around the corner. Good on him! <laughs> isn't that brilliant? He was thinking of he was hungry. Oh, smile. <laughs> And you go, oh, that's lovely. And he's going, oh, oh, she thinks I'm thinking of smiles, not not the Slovakia place. But she's something about the concept of smiles. So like she's totally digging it. So I'm not going to disabuse her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, this might go in. This question is a bit of a segue. So, what uh, what is your current state of mind? I'm super happy after having spent this time with you, which is great. I mean, that's how easy happiness is, everyone. You know, like mm. just having a laugh with an old mate, so great. <laughs> And, you know, avoiding work. I mean, I've got oh yeah so many shit things to do today, just boring emails and just stuff to get to, you know, oh, but yeah. just taking, uh, just taking time out. I mean, I was listening to um, your episode with Christian O'Connell, who I love. He's such a great guy. And I, I don't know, I listened to his radio show. I've become a mum in the car, as I was saying to you a couple of weeks ago. I said I've never, I've never been a listener to radio before, honestly. Even before I worked in radio, I was I never listened to radio. <laughs> but then I spent about fifteen years in meetings uh, where we discussed what mums in cars wanted oh, yeah. to hear. And and for so many years, I sat while men told me what women 
my age liked <laughs> what women my age wanted to hear and what women my age thought and did and all that <laughs> and for the first time I actually am a mum in a car listening to a radio show and I love his radio show but I was listening to your episode with him and and it was so funny that thing about how every day when you're an adult when you open your eyes there's this drop down list <laughs> so true and yeah, I've got a hideous, not hideous, it's not like I've got a, you know, uh, I don't know what, mow lawns or something all day, but which I think would be hideous. Someone else's idea of he- heaven. But I've just enjoyed avoiding my drop down list with you. As Hardy told you his first job that he's ever got? Yeah, well, yeah, I was just thinking of him actually because that, I know that he wanted to mow lawns, but his dad made him go and work at the bank instead. <laughs> he, he is a great source of happiness to me. Finding, like, making a new best friend in middle age. I mean, how lucky. So Matthew Hardy and I have known each other for, I don't know, 20 years or something, <laughs> but have become best friends in the last couple of years. That's my great. My phrase, not his. But... um. <laughs> He, you know, he is, he is just such, such a great source of happiness to me and joy. And yeah, I mean, how great just to have a, a bestie to just ring up and torment every now and, you know, every day, a couple of times a day to poke and prod and tease. And he's never had, he, he doesn't have a sister. And uh, yeah. that uh, is both a problem and a great thing because oftentimes he, gets the shits but I say like, see it's just you don't have a sister you don't get it yeah yeah but it's it's funny I think I miss I like out to... on that too that's interesting oh yeah it's yeah see my brother Petey Poops um he he gets it because he was dressed up uh by my sister and I from the day he was born and put in the basket of a bicycle and ridden around the neighborhood so, so you're not what it is is you're 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 not used to the kind of the the teasing that might happen but it's teasing but it's also you know dressing up to play abba yeah yeah it's it's like it's just all encompassing it's the it's the love language of sisters yeah it's all of those things and yeah and i that's how i love matthew hardy and he doesn't always understand that it's love (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes sometimes he gets the shits and I'm like and and I'm and I just slap have to slap him have to slap it out of him and <laughs> and that is also the love language of sister yeah 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 uh so question eight is what do you consider your greatest achievement gosh oh I th- well Making a living, I suppose that's that's a good thing. Is when you think back to yourself as a child and a teenager and your dreams and um, the fact that that we've managed, both of us have managed to make a career and be true to ourselves as children and as young people, um, mm. and be turn out to be good people and you know have friendships and have good relationships and be creative people. I mean, that's a really hard thing to do, I guess. I, I think I think we tend to, when you grow up like us and you you, you are a hustler and you work every day, I think we tend to minimise um, the fact that, that we've done that, that we never gave up, no. that we didn't become teachers or, or you know, go and work at universities and regional centres and, uh, <laughs> you know, 
torment other children for the rest of our lives. Because it was some of it was just straight out torment. It was just like, I'm unhappy, so I'm going to make you unhappy. Damn, I had to take that next bit out on legal advice, but Michelle was being very funny. <laughs> like, you know, That's we didn't great. do that, sorry. We did not do that. Um, question nine, who would you <laughs> question nine, who would you want on your side in a battle and why? In a battle? Yeah. Could be a professional battle, could be a physical battle, could be a comedy battle. Oh, that's awesome. Could could it be a rap battle? Rap battle. <laughs> Sonia, my mate from primary school, Budang. <laughs> she changed my life. She changed my life, that girl, because before she came along, I was like, really, you know, when you're little, I feel like you have a moment. Um, most of us do. That's my observation, certainly, as well as my children and their friends. It's like, you know, when you go into primary school and you're coming from your family where you're like pretty confident, you know, what's what, and your own little tribe, and then then you go to school and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're trying to figure out social situations and it's really confusing. You want to be home with mum and the dog and then, but you can't, they go, nah, you can't, you can't go home with your mum. And, um, and you, it takes such a long time and you feel like everyone else has got a best friend and you don't and all that. And then I met Son and, I had a best friend and and her brothers, you know, they hung out together and they were older. And so that was unreal to have older friends and just to know that they were my people and every lunch hour, you know, I had my, my people and, um, yeah, it just changed everything, the confidence that came from that. And also because they were so athletic, like Sonia, and, of course, I was not. So... I mean, she was like, she had wings on her ankles. That's that's how it felt. And and it's yeah, she she just could run like the wind. She could leap. It looked like there was no effort going into it at all. Mm-hmm. It was like she would decide to jump, and her body just flew through the air. And so to be friends with her, and how she would come over and just wouldn't say anything. She didn't talk a lot, but she would just lean her elbow on my shoulder. And I just felt like the coolest person mm. in the world. Um, her loyalty was unbelievable. You know how other kids like go, oh, I'm your best friend today. And then tomorrow they're like, mm. no, I'm not playing with you anymore. She never did any of that shit. And, yeah, so. Is there so any, and is there any uh, do you know what she's up to? No. she. So she was there for about two years and then then one day she, she like didn't come. She didn't come for a couple of weeks and then. And I was like broken hearted. And then one day she came back just one time. She, everyone was saying to me, Sonia's here, Sonia's here. So I was like, oh my God. And then she, she just came and she said, we've, we've moved. Oh. I just came back to tell you we've moved. Yeah, I was broken hearted. Oh. They moved to another town. And I, as soon as the internet was invented, I started Googling her. So I'm an adult, obviously. And, um, and one time I finally found one article and it was from the Sunshine Coast. And I saw this photo and it was, and it's her and it's still the only article that's ever, I still look at it sometimes. I've got a tear ball in my chest just thinking about it. And um, yeah, it's her beautiful eyes. I look in it and I can see her beautiful eyes and it's about a housing estate, something or other. And, and the residents are taking something about the council and um, yeah, she's just beautiful. Oh. It's just her and some other residents in this photo. Oh, 
uh, she's not on Facebook, she's not anywhere. But then she was always like that, you know, she was always just understated, low key. It just didn't surprise me one bit. She'd just be living her life, just living a cool life in the sunshine, sunshine coast, I'd say. Yeah. Pretty it's good. Sign, budang. Uh, question, the last question. What would you like your last words to be? Of my life? Yeah. Uh, on money, pad me on. What's that mean? It's a, the Buddhist prayer, the ultimate Buddhist prayer. It, 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 it's, it's every prayer rolled into one because throwing karma is very important. The way you die, very important. You've got to try and die peacefully so that uh. you don't then grasp onto the first rebirth that flies by because it might be shit. So you got to <laughs> you got to try and die as peacefully as possible. Dying in meditation, ideally, but um, yes, yeah, so you got to try and die peacefully. So I've got to try and make sure that I'm relaxed and peaceful, and ideally, if I could be in prayer or something like that, that would be ideal. And then just cruise into it, and yeah. Do they have a dispensation for if it's an accident or something? Oh, yeah. Do they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, very well. I think I worked in palliative care for a while. I was volunteering in palliative care. And um, just one day a week, you'd go and visit someone who was in palliative care. You get one client at a time. And um, so, yeah, I was going to say very few of us die that way peacefully, but. That's not true. These days, most of us have sedated, heavily sedated mm. as we die. So probably most of us do. But um, yeah, I mean, as long as your karma's up to up to scratch, usually throughout your life, you're pretty right to go. Mm. But just to just try not to fight it. My father fought it all the way. Fought, fought, fought. Literally had his fists up. Literally, it was like he was trying mm. to push it away. And I was thinking, mate. And I was saying to him, mate. Just, you know, yeah. You know, don't, don't fight it, but, uh, but wow, yeah. that's so interesting. I suppose that's actually oh. my greatest achievement. I think is um, caring for him when when he was dying because we did not have a good relationship, and uh, I mean it was friendly enough. It would have looked like it was a good relationship, but it wasn't. Um, and he didn't really particularly care for me uh, when I was younger, so that was a decision I made. So yeah, that was I think that was probably my greatest achievement so but yeah seeing him fight it i was thinking well it's pointless whatever it is it's coming so (laughs) and does it extend your life fighting it no i mean maybe maybe a little but it doesn't it doesn't change whatever's coming yeah if anything i don't wow that's a fascinating insight Mm. yeah oh michelle that was great thank you so much thank you I know you've got a big day. <laughs> Shit day. I might just avoid it all and go and paint. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we're at 10 Questions with Adam Zwar, and that's where you can get the bonus content on every interview. Until next time, thanks for joining us.